This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Bez? What do you love? Well, John, it's a new sponsor and I'm loving it. For me, double quarter pound a meal. What are you having? Oh, it's got, got to be the chicken nugget share box. To myself, there's no sharing, but well, to myself. That goes without saying. But what yeah. dip? Oh, barbecue. It's a barbecue dip. Yeah. But where can people get it? So, yeah, where can you get it? You can order via the McDonald's app. Um, it's via participating restaurants only, 18 plus, rewards, registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. So see mcdonalds.com for full details. Good evening and welcome to the Ale and Vale podcast. It is Thursday the 24th of August and we are previewing Carlisle United at home. The return of one of my favourite players from promotion season um, and another ex-player so we'll get into that a bit further but first and foremost Bez you've been a cinema this week haven't you? I have two other former players when we get to which as well as the one that you were on about um, but yeah I have I've been on Tuesday with a friend of the show Simcox for his birthday on Monday happy birthday Simcox I got him all Fernando's chicken for his birthday what more could anybody want? Um, sides for just half a chicken? No, just half a chicken. It's because I got a free red chilli, so I got a full chicken for free. So I had half and gave him half. <laughs> You're fucking brilliant, you are, aren't you? He's <laughs> <laughs> half a chicken because I don't want the other half. <laughs> but he got it for free. Well, I suppose... We don't have the friendship where we buy... Well, I don't have that friendship with anyone where I buy presents for birthdays. I don't expect anyone buying me and I don't buy people. So, you've got half a chicken. What more do you want? <laughs> I'd want some chips and a bit of garlic bread with it, mate. I'm not going to lie. Well, they, weren't, they weren't free. Get your own. <laughs> um, the important thing, what's, what's, what's spice? Medium. Okay. Medium. I'm a medium, and then I have the medium garlic Nando God. sauce with it. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have hot, depending on how I feel. Because I do like some spice, but Simcox, he won't mind me saying, but don't give him shit about it, people. He's a bit of a pussy when it comes to spice. He doesn't like spice. Oh, he's not a korma person, is he? Oh, yes, he's a korma person. Oh, I'm the worst people in the world. Yeah, he's, he's not a spice magnet. But you deserve to korma, is but he did have a question read out on the price of football this week, if anyone's listened to it. I saw it, I saw it, and I was like, oh, I listened to it, and then never bothered. Yeah, I've listened to it, and it was basically around moving games from Saturday to Monday and the financial impacts, obviously. The Peterborough game got moved. Yeah. Yeah, have a listen, everyone. And Maguire had a look at the accounts a little bit, and not Harry Maguire, Kieran. Um, 
and said that we were losing about a million pound a year. Which is what we were told anyway, so... Yeah, there's nothing there that, you know, you go, wow. But yeah, went through some of the, what clubs get from League 2 to League 1 to the Championship, etc. And yeah, it was very good. But anyway, we went to see Strays. New film out called Strays. All right, watched it all. Straight to the start, end. then. Yeah, straight to the end. No, it was decent. It wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. I totally can see that. If you like things like Ted, for those that have seen it, which was the teddy bear that talked and that, but obviously he swore and it was quite funny. If you like that sort of thing, you'll enjoy it. If you think that stuff, certainly don't bother watching. But I enjoyed it. Very easy watching, and it's about four stray dogs that can talk, and they go on this adventure. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, it was quite funny. They got, like, during the film, and this is in the trailer, so it's not giving stuff away, they got stoned, they got drunk. Quite funny. So basically it's just Ted for dogs? Yeah. Fair enough. There we go. Some um, people might think he's a bit rough. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right. How's your week on, Johnny? Um, it was alright until then. Oh. No, actually, it's been a good week this week, has. It's been a good week. Um, it's, it's, it's been nice after, after the, the game's coming thick and fast to have a full week. Mm. Um, um, yeah, but it's been, been decent. What, I actually watched a film last night. I didn't go to cinema. Oh. Yeah. Watched it on Netflix. Go on. Um, called Rogue Agent. Um, oh, I haven't watched it, but heard about it. Yeah, it's based on, based on a true story about Robert Freeguard. He was a guy, basically, that manipulated teenagers in college and stuff to, into thinking that the IRA were coming after him. Um, and he worked for MI5. So he had them going off, and then he'd, he'd make them ring the parents, saying that they're in trouble and they need shipped on the cash. So, yeah, he, he was that. And then he, he did it to a, a loyal woman, and this loyal woman fell for it and then kind of started seeing through it and then fell back into the trap and then finally saw through it and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's really good. It's based on a true story, as I say. I love stuff based on a true story. So, by street that is Obviously, Strays wasn't based on a true story, The Talking Dogs, for those that think it was. But, yeah, yeah that one, yeah. yeah. that was, That's good. And there's actually an actual Netflix documentary, um, a real documentary about, about the geezer that you can watch after as well, which is good. Oh, wow. Because uh, you actually find out a bit of, obviously, because these based on true stories are only loosely based, aren't they? They have to draw yes. on more of it. Yes. Um, well, yeah, that, that looks like it's interesting. So that's on the watch list um, shortly, we think, just to find yeah. out. Well, on about that, there's trailers, obviously, be at the cinema, come on. There's a film coming out that's based on a true story, and there is a docuseries on Netflix about it that you can watch that's already on there. And it's about the bloke who basically got a YouTube channel. He talked about Game stock was it Game Stop stock? And basically, all these peasants made millions off it, and the millionaires lost a load of money because people were buying up their stock, and it was like overinflating it to something. I don't know the full story yet, but then they basically sued him. All yeah. the millionaires didn't basically, but yeah, looked really interesting because I love stuff like that. Yeah, I like stuff based on true story because like it's just it, it, yeah, to realise how clever some people are. Yeah, and I don't think this guy had done it cleverly. I think he just kind of said, oh, look at this stock, and he kind of just took off. Um, Simcox sent me a message to tell me what the series on Netflix was. Let me find it. Here we go. It was 
Eat the Rich, the Game Stop Saga. Three-part documentary about what went on and what happened during and afterwards to the person that the film is about. So, yeah, Eat the Rich, the Game Stop Saga on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. Fair enough. Sounds good. Yeah, um, his guest like sat there doing nothing. Let's. I was just about to say, for people wondering, there is a third person on, but we, all, what we're doing is we're actually giving her a piece, better piece in quiet for a change because um, we're joined by Kirst, and it's the first time on the pod since little one. How's parenthood treating you? Hey, oh, hey, hi everyone. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. It does feel like a nice break. I'm just sat here. I'm about to have a a brew and a bit of chocolate bought to me. I'm just going chill out and feel like even when the call ends, I might just still keep sitting here, pretending <laughs> it's carrying on. Yeah, parenthood. It's really lovely. It's lovely. Um, but you're dead right, Johnny. I know you warned me before. It's harder than you think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's harder than people let on. People only tell you the nice things, don't they? But I don't... I've I've always warned you. I'll tell you the truth. And there is some days when you really look at them and think, "Why? Why am I doing this?" But then, yeah, a lot more good days. And yeah, it's it's better sat there going, "I just feed them chocolate and fuck them off back to the parents." You're the worst sort of person there. That's what you are, Bet. You're the worst sort of person. That's what uncles are for: turn up, fill them with cookies and sugar and that, and then leave them. Yeah, get them excited and go. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, she's been a first veil game. That's good. Yeah, she enjoyed that. I think she had her headphones on, block out all the noise. Um, we had lots of people looking at her, lots of lovely attention. She enjoyed that, but it was yeah. hard watch the game <laughs> for me. Yeah. It's hard watch it. Well, I, well, not, I, not I, the reading game. Yeah, why well, during the COVID season, George? Um, so that was on TV and that was hard just try and watch it on TV with him so yeah and I bet yeah so she's going into it already we're explaining all about it and what have you she's got the strip thanks to the Ale and Vale pod she's now a, a junior valiant or whatever the new form is I was dead impressed with that it's 30 quid isn't it for join and then they get a strip as well which is worth 38 quid if you weren't a junior valiant so you're already winning with that and then obviously you get all the other perks as well which will be no good for her but they'll be great for me yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> the 100% adult perks that the the, the 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 training session and thing is isn't designed for the, the child to enjoy i'm sure that's an adult perk yeah but, yeah i can't wait till stuff like that happens like I, i've actually been playing football in the garden with George tonight and he's actually starting to get into it and telling me about tackling and stuff like that. So I'm like, I might be making the breakthrough. He's probably better than you already, is he, Johnny? Yeah, he can tackle. He didn't kick me once. <laughs> so I need to sort that out. But he was heading the ball as well and he headed it three times and I told him stop because, like, I don't want the FA suing me because I think that's that's all he can do now, isn't it? About three times a week. Uh, that rule isn't in Staffordshire. It's been trialled in some FA County. Staffordshire isn't one of them. Yeah, but it's it's probably going to get brought in there, to be fair. And for those interested in that, they've actually tweaked the rules on it this season. Because the rule was last season, if you headed the ball in under-12 football in a league that you weren't allowed to, it was an indirect free kick to the opposition. 
So there was instances last year where a defender had headed the ball in his own box because it was in the air and the ref had to stop the game and give an indirect free kick inside the box. And what they were saying was, is that's actually, they've brought a non-heading to try and stop harm to children, basically. Say, having them all line up on the goal line and then getting a striker to whack the ball at them is probably more dangerous than them heading the ball. So now it's an indirect free kick out wide. Oh, so, so, so if your head is on the penalty spot, they'll put it out wide. Yes. Oh, that's, oh, I don't know if I like that. And obviously, if it's a striker, it's a keeper's ball because it's inside the box. Boarding and cheating, that is. Well, there you go. There's your FA rules this week with IFAB and Bessie. There you go. There we go. Brilliant. Let's talk this week in football. Um, so, because we've got... Before we do, Johnny. Oh, 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 go on. Let's have an update on the Avon Vale quiz, eh? Um, yeah, it's happening on a Friday. The um, I don't know the dates. This is their bad. Either the eighth or the ninth. Eighth or yeah, eighth eighth of September it is. Eight. Yeah, we This is why we brought Kirst on. Keep us in, keep us on track. Yeah, I know right. this because I have to put things like this on the calendar now. Before, where I could yeah. just on the day decide where I was going without any mither, it has to go on the calendar now. And then everyone knows, and childcare's all sorted. That's it. Two weeks tomorrow, or two weeks today, as people are listening to it, because we're recording on okay. two weeks tomorrow. Two it weeks. is. So yes, um, Bez, do you want to do the sponsorship stuff? Because that's that's where you, that's where you you thrive, and I'll do the rest. Sponsored by Ignite Facilities. Ignite with it. I Ignite with an I. Everyone learned that from the night. Ignite with an I. Um, sponsored by them. Get in touch with them. They can do domestic or commercial. Looking for commercial business as well. They'll do your heating, your plumbing, aircon, and electricals. Give Chris a call. Long-term Vale fan. You've probably seen him in the Round Vale Park. And lovely guy. Give him a bow. Support the Vale family. We all support his own. Ignite with an I. Ignite facilities. I don't know if Chris is using that as his strap line yet. Ignite with an I. I don't know if that one will catch on. I don't think it'll catch on with like the general public. I think they'd get really confused by it. Or two thousand listeners now. Yeah, exactly. But I, a couple of them are in, in places like middle of Africa and stuff like that, based on where people are listening to them. Well, if you want to fly Chris out, pay for his flight. I'm sure he'll come and do the work for you. There you go then. It's going to be an expensive flight, guys, because he need his tools and everything. I know. Yeah. But we've got some news about the quiz night. We've had people hammery bears wanting to know what's happening, where's happening, and stuff like that. So doors are opening at 7 p.m. And I'm not going to apologise because as soon as them doors, doors open and you walk in, you are going to get hounded and ask for some money. Um, because we have a couple of cards on the night running. Um, one of the cards that are running is to win membership to the John Rudge 100 Club. Um, and the other card running is this season's signed home shirt. Yep. So there's the, there'll be them two running throughout the night. So you um, will get hounded. Thank you to the supporters club for the 100 club membership. And thank you to the club for the signed shirt. And the cards will be £2 to go. So bring your money. Yeah, bring your pound coins. We will, we will have card facility, so don't think you're going away from it by going, oh, I've got no cash. 
So we we aren't stupid. We we well, I say we aren't. Steve's done this before by the sounds of it. But yeah, so so they're the, they're the first two prizes that we can announce. There is going to be other bits and bobs, and there will be a, there will be prizes for the quiz winner um, and loser. And losers. Um, and there'll be some on-the-spot auctions on the night. Now, I'm not talking auctions where we're expecting your part with hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Just a few little knickknacks that you might want chuck a fiver or a tenner at, depending on if you want to or not, basically. Yeah. And one of, one of them is Cinnamon Night with Bez. So we'll be start, we're starting the bidding <laughs> at that. Uh, he'll pay you £10. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We said it wasn't going to be things for £200. I'd expect someone... Throw some money at that, spend a night with me. Well, I, want we'll see to, I want to hear you review a Barbie. Oh, I haven't been watching that shit. I was you don't feel the thing I want to see on at the minute. Oh, no. Oppenheimer. Yeah, but that's three hours. Yeah, it is. I, can't, I don't know if I can stand three hours, especially at the minute. If I've got three hours... You can do loads, can't you, in three hours? You can. Strays was only an hour 33. Still prefer Barbie. Oh, no. <laughs> See what the fuss is about. Oh, no. Talking about Barbie and linking it into football, did any of you see the Burnley video to announce Aaron Ramsey from Villa? No. No, I didn't. Barbie themed. Yeah. Basically, it's a clip from the film where everyone's saying, Hiya, Barbie. Hiya, Ken. Hiya, Barbie. Hiya, Ken. Hiya, Barbie. Hiya, Barbie. Hiya, Barbie. Then it cuts to him and he says, Hiya, Burnley. I mean, Hiya, Barnley. Barbie. Worth a watch. Yeah. Worth a watch. Go have a look. Maybe he's done that stokey as well. No, we haven't. Poor him. Well, yeah, there's the quiz. It's good. We're actually, we've got all the questions wrote now, so that's good. We're just waiting for a couple of bits and bobs to come together. So, two weeks from Friday, we'll be there. Two as they saw from 7pm. Yep, and yeah, if you're we'll getting there early, if you're getting down Burslem earlier, get yourselves in Johnny's bar, have a few pints in Johnny's beforehand. Tell him you're on the way up to the quiz, so you've come see him first. And I am hopeful a lot of money's going to be raised for this Rudy statue, especially now I've heard that you've been having consultancy business plans with with Steve, with this sort of new system of paying, because you don't get 20 acres, do you, without having a good business mind? You don't. <laughs> you don't. So, I'm yeah, hopeful for this statue. I.e. the 10% yeah, we're, we're of bid if he doesn't own on the night. Yeah, and the 10% of bid if he doesn't own, he's put a bid in for today. <laughs> Steve Wilson owns that, so he's got no chance. I reckon Steve would give him a run for his money. <laughs> the Prince of Biddle? Yeah. There we go. I reckon so. Happy days. And last one yeah. before we move on. Um, best young content creators come out and... AB7, Alfie Bollard is in there, so if you can, go over, give him a follow on YouTube, which is AB7, and vote for him in the Best Young Content Creator, which can be found, it's all over Facebook, so go and find it, give Alfie a vote, put some great Vale stuff out there, big Vale fan, get behind him and support him. 
And we tweeted the link out the other day as well. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll reshare that. Yeah. Give him a follow. Yeah, brilliant. Cool. So, we thought, with Kirsty on, it's only fair that we um, we discussed the Women's World Cup that happened over the past month. Um, the Lionesses got to the final, just missed out to a, a decent Spanish side. But Kirst, we've been having quite a good discussion about it, haven't we, in the group? Because I'm not the biggest fan of, of of the standard of the game, not about women playing football. Don't want people getting the wrong idea here. But we, we, I've, I've described it like NFL. Millions of people like it. I hate it. can't stand it. But I don't go around watching football here, there and everywhere either. I just, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Bears, really. Watch Vale and then the rest is just background noise. Mm. So, but Kirsty, you, you, it's got you re- really, really into it, haven't you? You're on mute, Kirsty. <laughs> still on mute, Kirsty. Oh. I said, oh, bloody hell, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I said, I, I'm not sure I'd say I was really into it. Um, I definitely have followed it. And I love the final. Um, I got a bit of a group of us that went to pub in Antwich, and it was—I wouldn't say it was packed. It wasn't packed, but it was—it it was full. Though you know, and there was a mix of men and women of different ages, but quite a lot of older women that that were sort of watching it. And I think because of my standpoint on a lot of things, you know, I did really feel like I wanted to support it. I wanted to play an interest. To pay an interest. And I think in lots of ways, I have seen over the last 10 years, the standard of women's football improve. But more than that, over the last 30 years, when I think back to when I was a kid, just the involvement of women in football, whether that's men's football and now how everything sort of changed over the last five or more years in women's football. And I can only see that as a is a positive and I can only see that as which I'm sure you agree with anyway Johnny I don't think you're for one minute saying that isn't positive but it's something that I do want to support more and I think that there, there was a time where people would have almost sneered I think at, at that but you see people who are really into football men's football men and women that have really got on board with this. And I think it's something quite special when, like, last year we were in the final of the Euros and then this year we're in the final of the World Cup. Um, it does, I think it's, gal- because of that, in the UK, it's galvanised so much more support from men and women, which, you know, for me is great. I can't wait to see where it goes in the next 10, 20, 30 years from where it's come in the last sort of 30 years since I've been, you know, a kid and and, and seeing interest and and how that sort of changed over time. Yeah, that's one of the things I put in the group, wasn't it? That part of me hates the fact that they were saying, oh, if they won the World Cup, this would be the first time in 1966. And I really felt like that devalued the Lionesses because they they, they shouldn't need to be compared to the men's game. It's a massive achievement getting to the final of the World Cup. Like they should, they, they should be loved for it and 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 held in high high regard. But it just seemed like every little time everyone was going the men's game, men's game, the men's game, rather than 
giving them the, the, the sort of the sort of airtime they deserve, really. And I think that's one thing that really does need to happen as a bit of a separation from comparing it. Because they should be allowed to flourish on their own rather than going, oh, but in the men's game this happens, or oh, they they, they do this differently from the men's game. I just uh, that's the thing that bugs me. And I know there's always going to be comparisons, but when it comes to a World Cup final, let let them let them enjoy it rather than throwing pressure on that's not really needed. It's the first ever time that the Lionesses have been in a World Cup final. That should be celebrated more than oh. The men won it in 66, can you do better or equally or whatever they want to do with it? And that's one of the things that's, that's bugging me, along with some of the pundits as well. But right. I think part of that, though, is to do with the, the narrative is dictated very much by the media. And we've see, we see so often, we see undertones of whether it's casual or outright sexism, and especially within sport. Like you think of how many times somebody like Andy Murray has challenged casual sexism through tennis. And part of me wonders if it's it, it, it it's the media narrative trying to ensure that they're not sort of seen in that way. And and at first I was on board with that, and I think in some ways you have made me sort of think of it a bit differently. Because I think something like tennis, although there's definitely inequalities in tennis for, for men and women, but there is room and there is, you know, there's mixed doubles. You see, like at Wimbledon, men and women are playing at the same time. It's almost like it is part of the same package. Whereas, especially in the UK, where football dominates every sport, there's more money in the Premiership than probably, arguably, any other league in the world or certainly on par with other leagues. And so that that gulf and that difference between men's and women's football, although the gap is closing from where it was, is still huge. And I do kind of wonder what the best way forward is, whether it is to sort of take that separation that you're suggesting or actually whether, and I, and I hate saying this, especially as a woman, but whether almost piggybacking on professional teams is a bit of a way forward. Like for me, who's been brought up on watching men's football, and that's where my passion is. It's Port Vale. That's my passion. It's the men's Port Vale. But I do take an interest in how the women are are doing. I've never watched them play, but maybe since all of this, that is something I'm going to take more of an interest in because it's Port Vale. And if it wasn't Port Vale, somebody who's perhaps a little bit older like me, it's not, you know, a young girl or young boy looking at who they want to support and watch. It's a bit harder to get into something and ever feel as passionate about it at my age now as I do the Vale. And so it being associated with Port Vale, the women's team, I think I've got more chance of like being on board with that. And I also think there's more chance of the women benefiting from sort of shared services and shared you know whether that's physio or whether that's like the the training pitches or whatever it is the men's team where the money is are using if there's more chance for women to progress by using those shared facilities yeah no it's a good call now i have been watching the veil women's team once or twice i'm ref them once or twice so yeah i've enjoyed going watch them They've also won 5-0 tonight in, the, in one of in their second to last or maybe last pre-season friendly. Um, so the, there's, goal, there's goals in the, the game. Like the, the open day when they played, there was, there was some good football played there. Um, They've got some good players to fair. And I've ref Vale's 
under-18s lady mm. side. That was ooh, maybe two years back. And I tell you what, they've got some very good players there. I say the under-18s, they were actually playing open age and they played Nantwich, who were, you know, full women. They were in the late 20s and the physical difference showed, but Vale have got some nifty young players then and I've seen that they've come through to the first team in the ladies' side now and play some very good football. And just on about ladies' football, just a quick shout-out. Hannah that played for Vale under-18s last year, ladies, who's gone out to America on a scholarship. Her mum sent me the goal she scored today. Absolute screamer, free kick from about 25 yards. So well done, Hannah. And I know Hannah listens. So Hannah, dog shit. Because apparently every time I say that on the podcast, she's going to put a dollar in a pot. And at the end of the season, how much money she's got. So you go, Hannah, there's dog shit. Have a couple of dollars in your pot. Good for you, Hannah. I mean, the thing, the thing I think of, and it's brilliant hearing that story about Hannah who's listening. You know, she's got this scholarship and she's, a, you know, veil fan and, and all this. I know. And, and maybe I was just a bit naive to it when I was younger. But I think back, all I wanted more than anything, like probably you two as kids, was to play for the Vale when I was older. And I used to like have this dream where I'd be like the first female that I'd ever play for the Vale and I'd score a winner at Wembley or, you know, something like that. And at the time, there was no real opportunities to play. I could watch, and there was definitely women who watched who were at the Vale, but there wasn't loads, certainly not as many as, as there is now. Um, I remember begging at school to play football, and they did it for one half term. The, the girls would play. And I remember the only kind of role model for me was Juliet Farrington, you know, who was on Radio Stoke at the time. Um, but now it's completely different for young girls. We've seen like these, all the games have been televised this time. Um, the, the media coverage is completely different. We've also got women more present in the men's game, whether that's through um, officiating or we even think of our own Carol Shanahan, who's like the best chairperson, certainly in my lifetime at the Vale. Um I'm not saying that's because she's female at all, but what what I am saying is she's a great role model to all of us and as female, which I think, you know, it's showing how, how, how that's kind of, you know, women are coming into the men's game more, but also the women's game is is progressing so quickly at such a fast rate. So it is, it's, it's an interesting discussion and I really look forward to seeing how it progresses and where it is 5, 10, 20 years from now. Yeah, it's progressing rapidly. And I know listeners of the podcast have got daughters that play football. I know quite a few of them that I've seen on social media supporting. And I just say, Kirsten, I think back to when I was at school, there was a girl that went to our school, Johnny, you'll remember, who was, to be honest, a better footballer than the blokes. And if I remember right, she had trials for England. I'm not sure if she was in your year, Johnny Levi. Yeah, yeah, she was in my year. She, she played for Arsenal. Yeah, she used, used to play used to play football with us at, 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 on lunch in a Rockport and still be better than, than most of the lads that are changed into trainers. Yeah, I can Absolutely. fully imagine. And I think if Levi had been 20 years later, the opportunities Levi had. But the, yeah, she went on play for yeah. Arsenal today and I'm sure she had trials for England as well, if I remember rightly. Yeah. But I think back, there'd be a lot more opportunity for her now and the way the game's growing and everything. And yeah, it's fantastic because why shouldn't women be able to play football? I feel like there is something I do need to mention on that. Levi's dad once took me to some football trials with Levi because Mm. he knew how much I loved football and was into it. And the truth was, everyone was so far ahead of where I was. I just, you know, fell by the wayside. And there there was not that 
that sort in in boys football you can go in at any level really can't you and yes. there'll be something for you and at that time there wasn't for me because yes. I was just obviously I was nowhere near where Levi was but hopefully now going forward there's there's more opportunities for girls you know regardless of what level they're at yeah and I think there definitely is now and as a referee I see you know when I think back 20 years ago when I first qualified there was basically a handful of women's fixtures every weekend but it was local elite if you like it wasn't the lads and dads level it was I remember refing Stoke v Staffs I remember refing Vale in fact no Vale hadn't got a side back then but it was very much a, there was probably three or four sides in Staffordshire then women's sides and that was it there was no kind of girls football underneath it was just women's sides and I remember doing Stoke v Staffs at Narcosley Vicks remember doing the game there but it was very few and far between now every weekend it's littered with boys and girls football which is fantastic is indeed it is indeed and like i say there's great chance for getting people involved in football in general so definitely and it'd be sitting in on the ipads on the phones on the computers out in the fresh air playing football social skills as well at that age so fantastic and while we're on about girls and boys anyone listening that's been get their gcse results today i hope they've gone all right good luck if they haven't not the end of the world. Look at Johnny. He's got a good job and he was thick. But if you've done well, congratulations. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. That's, that was that much. Well, yeah, I haven't actually seen Jeremy Clark since we talked to they've got you and, and now owns a brewery and stuff like that. That's usually his go-to. Yeah, it's so, a, I haven't even realised it was. But yeah, good luck and hopefully... It's not the end of the world, if not, you can always reset, reset your GCSEs, so don't panic too much. No, and you get out what you put in, onto the next stage, onto college, two years at A-levels, or apprenticeship, whatever route you decide, Gav. Mm. But don't take career advice off us, get them off of experts. It's featuring experts. Disclaimer, just in case anyone goes, well, the podcast told me. <laughs> and... Put whatever you want on your CV. Uh, I don't think one job's asked me asked to see my uh, GCSE results. So take it oh, me. When I was younger, probably wouldn't now, but when I was younger, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure about that. So. But no, oh, don't. Put, just a disclaimer: don't put whatever you want on your CV because if you found out that you put enhanced grades and they do ask for them, it's fraud. So don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. See, this is why I don't listen to advice from me. <laughs> Got kissed. I think I'll hold back on what I was going to say then. Now, now Bez is revealed that one. <laughs> I was going to say, just add a few grand on what your previous um, wages. I always think that's good advice. No one ever checks, do they? Well, yeah, no, yeah, that's, you, that, that's solid advice. That is. that is solid advice. That's just in an interview when they say, well, what you're on at the moment, that's when that comes in. You haven't put it on paper, it's just come out in an interview. And, <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. If, and to be fair, they don't find out because it's just, what would you be expecting here? I never liked that question. It's like, you tell me what the job's worth. And I'll tell you whether you're offering me enough or not. <laughs> well, no, there we go. But yeah. But I'd say that, 10 pence. You probably want some change. <laughs> that's career advice with the Ale and Vale podcast over for another 12 months. It is. But what isn't over yet 
is the transfer window. It's not. Look at this. Seamless transitions. According to Crosby's interview today, it's next Friday. Close. It is. It's 1st of September. I've seen it today. 1st of September, which is farcical, seeing as you've got to gather them in by 12 o'clock. Mm. So that means anyone signed after that, fucked, can't play on Saturday. Daft. Yeah. Should, should close on Thursday. But agree. When, when has the FA ever been sensible? So, never. I wonder why 1st of September, though, because it's always the last day in August. And mm. I really don't know, mate. I really don't know. I think, like, for me, it should close, A, not on a match day. I've seen before when it's closed, when teams are playing on Tuesday nights and stuff like that. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. And I know that's difficult now because when the season kicks off, pretty much every night's a match day of some some ilk. But it should be not on a match day, and it, it definitely shouldn't be that you could sign a player that can't play the, the next set of fixtures. Um, through no fault of their own, technically. So, I think that's daft. But, we've got seven days left, because obviously there's most people will be listening on Friday. Bez, how many signings do you think? Not how many would you like. How many do you think will come through the door? Ooh, pluck a number out there. Three. Three? Three. So, so, so them three signings. Where would they be? I'm not going to ask you who because that's that's not fair. Since I'm prepped you, but I still think whether Ali stays or goes, and I've seen stuff on the internet that we've said he's going. We don't know anything. Literally, um, literally don't know anything because I've had a rumor sent to me that Alice is asked to stay, and I've had a rumor sent me that Alice is asked to go. So I honestly don't know which is right and which isn't. So. One Who of knows? Right. One of them's right, yeah. One of them's definitely right, but I don't know which. So, um, if Ali stays, we still need centre-forward for me. What sort of centre-forward for you? I still think we need a big target man. Because for me, you've got Willow and Thomas who can play off a target man. At the moment, the only target man we've got is Alice. So, we need another target man to change it up there. Yes, it'll probably be a different target man, because although Alice is a target man, he's also very mobile, does a lot of chasing, and isn't that big. Yeah. But, he is. a, but he's good enough to do the target man job. Yeah. But I want a big six foot plus that's going hold the ball up, bring it down, bring others into play, that sort of target man. Andy Carroll? I wouldn't have him at the veil, but that sort of mould. I think Andy Carroll's had his day now. I think he proved that when he was down here the other week, unless it was just that the players around him were that bad. But he didn't seem mobile. He seemed to get frustrated a lot. He didn't win a lot against Smithy, who, let's be honest, isn't the biggest centre-off, although he wins more than his fair share in the air. Now, I'm thinking someone... And they don't need to be massive, massive. I think back to, like, a Steve Brooker. Steve Brooker wasn't the biggest footballer, but I tell you what, he held that ball up and you weren't shitting him once he got hold of that ball. Yeah, that's fair. So someone like that, I still think, and I've said it from the word go, we need another wing back in this club. Because yeah. at the moment, we've only got two for me. And then I just think somebody will leave and we're going to have to replace him. I don't know who's going to leave and I haven't heard anything. I just think the way we've started the season, forget the Barnsley game, people will be looking at our players. And Bale have always said, every player at the club has got a price. Rightly so. We're not Man City. We can't afford to turn down good money. I just... 
I don't know that a player's going go. I haven't heard of any bids, but I just have a sneaky feeling someone will go. And it might be Alice, it might not be. But the, the thing with someone going, you, you, you look at it realistically, there's only really Smith, Garrity, Conlon, Harrison, Massey that could go. In, in term, not, not obviously everyone could go, but the rest of the squad have either signed this summer or signed a new contract recently. So Ojo's just signed a new contract. DJ signed a new contract in the summer. Willow, obviously, six-month deal. Tell you one name you forgot out of there. Lucas Cassmart won't go play first-team football. He hasn't signed a new contract this summer. No, that's, yeah, so, so Cass. So, yeah, there's, there's obviously only... And each one of them opens a different door, doesn't it, really? If yeah. Cass did go, we'd need a centre-half or a wing-back that could play centre-half. Yeah. Um, if Conlon went, I still think we'd, we'd probably need another midfielder in because whilst, although he's injured and we, are, we aren't, we aren't missing the body at the moment. At some point this season, playing four centre midfielders, we're gonna we're gonna need that gonna need that rotation, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and then Alice goes. Obviously, we need a striker. And if Massey goes, we we pro- we need an attacker, don't we? Yeah. So one first. Well, I was going to say if Alice goes, we need. A striker, but I think even if Ali stays, we could do with another striker. But going back to the Cass um, point, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Cass goes before the end of this transfer window. I imagine he'll be wanting something different because how we set up at the moment and how things have perhaps started, I can't see him regularly starting unless there's an injury somewhere on that side. And I think if there is an injury somewhere on that side, there is a question at the moment over whether whether we'd be happy with him sort of stepping in, whether that's for, you know, if it's for a game, if it's for the, the end of a game. But if that was for like the next two months or, you know, the next eight or nine games, it's whether that's exactly what we're looking for. Um, I do feel a bit sad saying it because I know when he came up first time on loan, I think he looked, he looked really good, but obviously we're in a different position than we are now. And I do think he's got a good future. But right now at Port Vale, I don't know if this is the right place for him, for, for both parties. And and I also think in that position, it kind of got a bit brushed under the, the table, I think, when Forrester left. And I think it was because it sounded like we'd got a good deal financially. So I'm not criticising that. I think that was good. It was good for the club. But... And I don't feel convinced at the moment that we're, we're completely covered there. I agree. I don't think, well, I don't think it helps, though, that Barm has come in and then got injured straight away. I think yeah. if Kofi Barm would have been fit, mm. and you look at the fact is Barmer, Smith, Jones, Jakobiti, you, you're probably feeling a bit more confident then, aren't you? Um, whereas now, I, I get what you're saying, because Barmer isn't fit and... It doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's close to being fit either. Like match fit from how Crosby speaks. Mm. I, I do think we are a bit light. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. We are. Yeah. And what you were saying, Kirst, I agree. I actually think the stage Lewis Cassis of his career. I think there is a good player in there, and I think he will develop more. But I think he needs to be playing regular ninety minutes. The age mm. he is now. 
and I, as you say, I can't see him getting it at Vale at the moment. Mm. There was a time on the last season where it was him and Forrester were sort of in and out of the team, and it was when Clarkie was really playing about with the team. You'd have one team starting for one game and then the next game it was like he'd sort of rolled the dice and there was a whole new set of players um, and, and it was always Cass and Forrester sort of in, in and out of the side and in many ways I think that really helped Forrester I think he, he really come on I think there was different mistakes he made but he made up for it in other ways whereas I'm not sure if that might have knocked Cass's confidence a little bit mm. Yeah and it wouldn't be averse to Cass going out on loan till January somewhere and League to get regular game time and see how he develops over that. Yeah, I, I, I would not, I would not screw. Yeah, I would not be unhappy with that. I, I think that would be give us a good, a good platform as well to either bring another centre half in on loan or sign the right player that can cover multiple positions. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be an interesting few days. Um, have you listened to Crosby's interview, Bez? I have, while I was eating my tea, so I may not took it all in. Yeah, it, it sounds like there's there's a lot of things going on in the background, so I think it's going to be a busy week. Um, for me, I don't expect to see anything till after crew. Um, I don't know how you, you, you pair feel. First, do, you think, do you think we'll see any action in or out before crew? I've not thought about it till you've just said, but listening to Crosby's interview, I think even when Phil Bowers was trying to speak about the crew game, he was very much focused on this Saturday and he was speaking about things going up to the, the wire in an ideal world would have been sorted before the season started. And I think sort of bringing all of that together, um, now I can imagine it being another where Dan Townley's um, pretending he's at home with his feet up and really he's at the veil announcing something at the last minute, if I'm honest. Yeah, Bez, will that worry you if it is last minute? Because I know some, some people seem to get worried that last minute signings are rushed and panicked and stuff like that. And obviously it doesn't help that the last three or four, well, three of, three of the last four windows on the last day Matty Taylor signed and he didn't really do enough for, for most Vale fans and, and then we had that absolute catastrophic last day, didn't we? Um under Danny Pugh and stuff like that. So yeah. do you think that's one of the reasons that there's still a lack of faith in what's available on the last day is actually worth being available? I think there is. And people will be panicking. Liam McCarron wasn't here last minute last day signing from Stoke and yeah, there was a couple last last year, wasn't there, on deadline day? There was three, one, I think Dan Butterworth was a deadline day, one to Liam McCarron, and there was one other, I think, that come in that was trying, deadline day that didn't set the world alight. Mipo was already in, so it wasn't in, but whoever it was. But yeah, I think people will have that. But actually, the way our recruitment's been this summer, I have faith that even if it goes to the last day, it's people that we've been speaking to for two, three, four weeks. Look at the Josh Thomas one. We were speaking to him for five weeks before this happened and they've explained now why it took five weeks. He was going signed five weeks earlier and then Swansea got an injury to the striker so maybe keep a body in. Kept him in, he did really well. And then once they got enough players in, then they let him go. So I'd have confidence this time in the recruitment team and Flickcroft that we've earmarked the right players and I don't see 
if that falls through, we'd panic and go, well, let's just get a body in. I think we'd go with what we've got. As for where we or anything before crew, I fully believe that that's in the car just whenever they drop. If something drops before then, we'll announce it before then. And I believe that we'd hope to, but it might take longer. And it's a merry-go-round, isn't it? We're probably waiting for other clubs to make their signing so that we can sign their player, etc. Yeah, that's, I think that's the big thing. I think I think it's telling. I know I saw that we were linked with George Miller from Doncaster. He's out injured for another seven weeks, um, sort of thing. Yeah, um, he's just had knee surgery, so I can't imagine that that's that that sort of a accurate link. Um, I don't think no. we'd be that stupid. Don't we get linked with him every single transfer winter? Then? Oh, pretty much. I think ever, ever since I, I've been forward, because it was like Andy, Andy mentioned the lad from Crew, like, which was Sean Miller, which we we're linked with yeah. forever. And then George Miller, since he's been at Berry, I'm pretty certain we've always been linked with him. And I don't know why. But yeah, so, so we're linked with him, which I think is a positive thing that we're linked with people at a club that we're looking at paying money for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the. I do think our club are keeping things very under wraps um, in, in terms of what they're looking. But I I think we'll see a body coming in from a club in our league, at least one body coming in. Um, I think we did real good business with Alice Harrison from Fleetwood. I think yeah. using these first five games in such a small small space will kind of tell a player where they're at in that squad. Because with the games that have come so thick and fast, if you haven't got at least 60 minutes in one of them, you're probably not in the plans, are you? No. Um, which, which which then says to me that, that that then opens the door for players getting a bit angsty. And I just I just hope that we, we do the right thing. And Kirst, like, like you mentioned with Cass and stuff like that, I hope that we do the right thing for us and him. I know we did with Connor Hall, didn't we? We let, we let Hall go because he wanted to be closer to home. But with any player that we've got that, that wants to leave, that this club is bigger than any one player, isn't it? So I wouldn't... Would I be sorry to see Alice, Conlon, Cass, Massey leave? Yeah, because I think three, like two, two of them in... Alice is is brilliant. Massey's had a great start to the season in my eyes. Conlon, fantastic servant, hasn't been great the last few months. And Cass, there's, there's, a, there's a lad who's 23 that needs football. But I believe this recruitment team now, and Curse, I know we've had a lot of discussion about this previously, haven't we, the recruitment side. But I believe in this recruitment team. And has this summer changed your opinion at all of the team itself? Not well, it was something, just as what Bez was saying, that I was thinking it'd lead on for a, a nice discussion, really. I mean, hearing Bez saying he's got faith in the recruitment team. And I know in our um, chat, we this is something we speak about loads, isn't it? And yeah. I do kind of feel like we prob- I probably do feel um, like I've got more confidence now. I think... I trusted the recruitment. I did trust the process this time last year. And I don't think things worked out quite as well. But I don't think we were communicated very well with either. And I do think that we've, that there's been a definite change since, 
since Clark has left, and I'm not saying it's because he's left, but I think there was a lot of criticism at that point around the recruitment team. Was it the the right thing? Should we have been spending our money there? We should be communicated with better around all of that. And I do think we've seen an improvement in that. I mean, what I would say is I think the signing of Connor Ripley has made the world of difference to people's opinions of of the value of a recruitment team because there was a time where it just seemed like season after season we weren't dead set in the goalkeeper area and there was always a gap up front and it just felt like it was a repeat every every season of the same thing and I feel like we've really plugged a gap not just plugged a gap I think we've I think that's our signing of, of the season really um but I think time will tell over the next week. I'd be really sad to see Harrison go. Um, but I do go back to what you say about should we do the right thing by what people want? I, I don't know the background. It could be that he is genuinely injured, but there's a lot of rumours going around. I don't know whether it's it's him that wants to go, if that's the case, or whether it's him that wants to stay and it's the club. Who knows? I've, I've literally no idea of the background of it. But what I would say is if there is any animosity or whatever it is on either side, you're not going to get the best out of a player if that's the case. And I really do think that Daryl Clark brought out the best in Harrison and I do wonder whether him leaving you know we did all say at the time one of our best signings was a Clarky signing and I know there's a discussion around that it might not have been but it would appear that it was a Clarky signing and I do wonder whether that's been part of the breakdown if there is a breakdown you know who knows it's it is one area that we've not heard loads about I'd be sad to see Harrison go I think of all of our forwards I mean Willow's by far our best player but um you know that there's 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 always going to be issues with with injury I'm glad we've signed him I'm, I'm over the moon but you know it's Harrison for me that's our best striker and I think if he was to leave you spoke about Andy Carroll and I know that I'm not saying that you've suggested he he'd be a good replacement but it's a question for you would you be happy if Harrison went, if he was replaced with somebody like Andy Carroll, who it feels to me like, who would we replace Harrison with that we'd be happy with? I think that's a real question because for me, Harrison needs replacing by somebody that comes into the club and you turn around and go, I know him. He's been a pain in the arse when we played against him more. He's he scored 10 goals in League 2 last season or whatever. It just needs to be someone that you can instantly recognise. I'd worry, and I know Josh Thomas has been superb since coming in, I'd worry if it was a young lad that, that hadn't been first, hadn't played first-team football previously. For every Josh Thomas, we know there's a Liam McCarran out there. There's probably 10, actually, because we had, we had nine of them last year um, on loan. But, yeah, definitely I feel that I, de- I definitely feel like we'd have to have a, a household name in terms of League One football. I don't expect a top end one. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect us to, to go out and bring in a British on longer type name that people would stand up and go, "Shit, look at that!" But there's, there's got to there's got to be strikers out there. It's 
other clubs in and around us where you look at would we pinch him? Sam Nombe, for example, at Exeter. Have we got enough pull to go there and go, right, actually, we've earned decent money from Will Forrester's move. We've earned decent money from Alice Harrison's move, if that happened, like, hypothetically. And then we're saying, right, we've, we're putting this bid on the table. We know Exeter are fantastic at selling players for big money, but that's the sort of thing I'd be looking for is what can we do? But yeah, yeah, that's that, that's where I'm at with it. Is yeah, for me, I don't believe there's a rift between Addison and Vale at all. Not at all. Um, I don't believe there's a case of Clark's gone. I won't go. I fully believe Alice is happy here. I also think that maybe if a move, I don't know where he lives now, but if it come up close to him, everyone would consider that. I believe it's a case of Addison going to the club, and I, I don't know anything, but it just doesn't seem the sort to me that he'd kick up a fuss. It doesn't seem the sort that is unhappy. Um, if he goes, would I replace him with Andy Carroll? Absolutely not. I wouldn't. I'd keep Alice Addison over Andy Carroll every day. For me, it's down to if we have received a bid, are we comfortable with that money for a player who's got, what, 10 months left on his contract? Yes. Yeah. Cash and now all losing for nothing at the end of the season. Or even give him a new 12-month, two-year contract extension. And I'd be happy with Addison staying. As you said, Keith, I'd actually be over the moon if Addison stays and we add another striker to what we've got. Mm. And I think if if he was to stay, I wouldn't be against... There's a lot of rumours, isn't there, about Key and Harris. I wouldn't be against that. I think if Harrison went, I don't think Harris would be the right replacement. I think um, that goal last week... Ojo's goal where Thomas went and fought for it. There was a lot of Kean Harris in Thomas's performance, I thought, in, in that game. Um, and I, I just fear that if Harrison went and we replaced him with Harris, there'd be two players there that are almost too similar, bundles of enthusiasm and energy and, um, and all of that. But I think if Harrison was to stay, I'd love to see Harris back. The question is whether, whether he'd want to come back. I mean, he is getting game time, isn't he, in a, in a league above at the minute? He is, but I think he's only getting five minutes here, five minutes there. He's not getting half an hour's, 45 minutes, hours. I think he's just getting the odd five, ten minutes at the end of the game, which might be enough for him. He might say, yeah, that's enough in the championship. He might say, actually, I want to go somewhere and get an hour to, you know, start playing an hour before they come off. And for me, if you've got Addison, Thomas, Willow, Addison, it's how you keep all four of them happy, although saying mm. that we know there's going to be injuries in there. Mm. And then you've got, like Johnny rightly mentioned in the WhatsApp chat earlier, you've also got Matthew. To be honest, I, I don't see as a striker, but like the, the point Johnny made was that we, it, it looks as though, you know, Crosby sees a place for him there, and I think he started the season well up mm. front, so it's where where he'd fit in if he was to fit in as well. And the other thing we haven't added into all this as we've been talking about strikers is are we going to carry on with one up top with two attacking midfielders behind him or are we going to switch to two up top with one attacking midfielder? Because that changes the game then. If if this is the formation that we... Have we gone with two attacking midfielders because the games have dictated that we think it's going to be games where we have less of the ball and we're going to be the side rather than 
forcing the game onto the opposition we're going to be hitting on the break? Or has it been injuries to Addison that's forced us to go one striker, two attacking midfielders? And obviously it's worked out well at Blackpool, it's worked out well at Charlton. Works down to Reading. Works down to Reading. However, for me, that was all against sides that we would probably expect to see less of the ball. It'll be a good test on Saturday in a game that we would probably yeah. expect to see more of the ball than we have against Reading, Blackpool, Charlton. And I'd be really interested whether we go two up top Saturday or we stick with what we've got. And I'm not going to say teams like Carlisle because we've had that thrown at us. It's just that we've played three sides that are expected to be up there. We're now playing a side near the bottom. That doesn't mean we've got to go give them right to beat them or anything like that. But it means that it's probably at home. There's more of an onus on us to take the game to them than soak up the game and hit them. Yeah, fa- fan- fans fans will look at this game as this this is the statement game now because mm-hmm. we we all said the first four games of our season were diabolical um, in terms of on paper. Um, to, to come out of it with seven points is a massive achievement. And again, I'm going to harp on, but Crosby deserves so much credit for that because he 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 has he has helped to bounce back from that seven nil is not easy and. People say it was it was more than judgment, the, the tactical change. However, however you want to spin it, that tactical change has really worked in these three games. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, John, just before we carry on, not just to bounce back from that seven nil, but to bounce back from that seven nil, and then going one nil down inside four minutes in your next game as well. Yeah, and and that's it. It showed real character. But what will be interesting is if we did stick with this. At so home against teams that we look and go right, actually, this is where we're at. The, these these are the games we need to take it to. Do you take out Ben Garrity, for example, and you could play Massey just behind one of the strikers to get it more attacking? Do you do you look at it and play like Clancy further forward? Do you look at it and could Josh Thomas play just there or Willow play there, sort of thing? So you you, you could. You could argue that if Harrison went, that we actually need an attacking midfielder rather than another striker, because we've got three strikers for one position. And I think that's the thing that will be really interesting for the window, is if a player goes out, do we replace them almost like for like or not? And that's that's the one thing that's going to really intrigue me this next seven days, is what does our, our squad look like going forward? Yeah, and for me, if Addison goes, I still want a striker that's going to come in and hold the ball up up top because I don't believe any of the other three strikers. Two, three, two. Yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be two yeah. and massive, wouldn't it? That two and massive. I don't believe any of them are the sort of striker that's capable, might be a harsh word, but yeah, capable of holding the ball up to allow others to come on the different types of strikers. So if Addison goes, I definitely want someone that's going to hold the ball up. Yeah, no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a... I don't think that's a unreasonable request either um, especially given the fact that Massey can play in two or three different positions so he's not necessarily your striker you saw at Blackpool the fact that we started him there to, to, to go and wear down their, their back three and he did a fantastic job that day and but, let's be honest Massey's most impressive performances for me anyway have been when he's played that attacking midfield role where he's off the front man but he can drift out wide yeah, because against Fleetwood, he came on and was brilliant. Yeah, and so, he also came on against Charlton and did very well there. Yeah, and last season, um, 
It was Forest Green, if Forest you remember, Green. when he went yeah. when he went out wide because he was having a torrid game up until then. But Cass yeah. winding on his head, put him out wide, and he actually he, he come into his own there. So I do I, I do think you know you don't get to thirty years of age and played hundreds of games of professional football if you're a bad player, do you? At, at, at yeah. this level, so there's there's a player in there. We we've just either got to say to him, look, this is your position in the squad. Or we've got to make that position for him. And that behind the front man in some games, I think, could be really useful. Him and Chislett behind a Thomas or a Willow could actually be really dangerous. Yeah, no, it could. And do you simply, just to make the formation more attacking, say to your fullbacks, we expect to be on the ball more this game, play 10 yards further up the pitch? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you could. You could even say, to our blaster, it's it's a three behind the one. So you, you've had you've got Garrity, our blaster, and Chislett behind, and Ojo tidying up and whatnot. Because there's enough energy in there. So I think there's a, there's a lot of things with this this formation. There's a lot of flexibility with it. But I still do see two three signings needed to to make me comfortable. Especially as like you mentioned at the start, wing back is the one for me. Yeah, um, somebody either somebody young. From a from a Premier League club that can do both sides, um, and board them that don't expect to be playing each week, or somebody more experienced, maybe towards the the back end of the career could 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 happen that will be happy to 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 rotate and stuff like that. That that's that's either either or would be brilliant because I think bringing in anyone in the prime sort of years would be difficult looking at the two wing backs we've got, but. You know that both might pick up knocks, and there's always going to be a, a chance of a fair share of football. So, and if you're good enough, you're going to displace one of them anyway, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Connor Bradley was on loan at Bolton last year. Has he gone anywhere? Yeah. Um, did, was he the one that went Preston, or was that the Scottish Calvin Ramsey? Not a clue. Might have gone. Um, there's also been rumours again. No idea how. Uh, if there's anything at all behind it, but there's there's been rumours of a former Vale player potentially making a return, hasn't there? Don't don't do this to me. <laughs> I can't I, I can't feel it. I feel like Bez would like it. I'd be over the moon. Yeah, there's, there's been there's, there's been a lot of rumours around Gibbo, hasn't there? Um, and yeah, I. I don't know. I'm torn. I'm really torn on it. When when I first saw the rumour online, I was like, ah, what do you do? Because we know there's a fantastic player in there, but we also know there's an injury record. We know that he came to Vale Park last year and looked uncomfortable, shall we say. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I'd love him back. I, I, I've always loved Gibbo. I was everyone that's listened to this knows. And I saw the rumour online and, yeah, I was very excited by it. He can play right wing back and play left wing back. Exactly. He could potentially give you cover at right centre half if needed. Although mm-hmm. for me, I'd rather see him at wing back. He's got energy. He's got passion. He'll fight for the ball. We all know now and again his passing isn't up to scratch. That's why he's a League One footballer. But he'll fight for everything. Had he been on that pitch against Barnsley, he'd have been bollocking the rest of them plays. And he'd have gone through someone to get people going. I've, obviously, we'd have still lost the game. You don't one play doesn't change it. Maybe we wouldn't have lost seven nil 
he did bollocked a lot of them. And I'd love him back. I absolutely love him back. Again, all I know is there's been rumours online. I don't know how true they are. Could be a load of BS, which 98% of rumours are. It could be in the 2% that's true. We'll know more this time next week with every rumour. I do think a fit Gibbo on form, I, I definitely, definitely take that now. Um, I think for all the reasons you've just outlined, Bez, I think how versatile he is. We're on about wing backs and where we, we, we need cover there. I also think the back three pit themselves at the moment with, with how things are sat. And I think he can come into that if there's injury, say with Jones or, or not. Obviously, I, I think I, I'd be happy, but then I'd be so, so sad if things didn't work out because I think he left on such a high. And let's be honest, as with most rumours, people have seen that Bristol Rovers have signed a right back and gone, oh, Gibbo must be coming back. Same as people saw that Huddersfield had signed a striker last week and gone, oh, Keane Harris coming back. And that's how rumours yeah. start. It's people just seeing that a club signed someone, seeing who's in that position that now won't play and going, oh, they must be coming back. Yeah, and, and and that's it. And it's, it's rumours. It's I think I think they're going to ramp up over the next week all altogether. Um, I have just seen that Jay Stansfield signed for Birmingham today, though. Yes, I saw that earlier. Yes, I did. Great signing for them. I think. Yeah. Good test for him at that level. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Barnsley have signed tonight their first striker of the summer, and it's not him from extra you were on about because he was heavily linked it is oh we was it I've just seen it I'm getting old can't remember oh it's John McAtee yes John McAtee from Luton yeah that's the fourth striker of the summer that they brought in is it yeah Max Waters Andrew Dallas um, someone else and him yeah and obviously they are linked with the Sam Dombley yeah, they are. But that is the transfer window. We will, well, I say we. Um, I think me, Steve, Amos, and Andy are planning on doing one on the Friday night as 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 the time ticks down. Bez, we know that you won't be. You might join us for the first hour. Might join you for a bit because it's a Friday, not a midweek. Okay, so there we go. And and cursed, you're free to join, obviously. But we know that sat there talking about. Premier League transfers, which will be the majority of it. Um, and the fact that can you get two days off in the week because crew are at home on the Tuesday. <laughs> we'll see how we get on. Thanks for the yeah. invite. Yeah. See, how, see how things go. Yeah. As we say, all the transfer rumours are just rumours, but we love a rumour as a fan, don't we? Because it keeps you talking. Yeah. It gives you some to talk about. And it's, oh, God, have you heard who we're signing? And then you should be signed for some bugger else. Yeah. And I was thinking through that discussion when Johnny spoke about Crosby and and how much credit he should be given. I I agree entirely with that. I think with everything that happened over the the summer, there was a bit of a mixed reaction to the appointment. And then I think fans really got on side when they heard what he had to say, how he said it, how he conducted himself. I think people really, really warmed to him as an appointment. And then that is the opening game of the season was just a real kick in the teeth. But now we're like, well, we're four league games in, aren't we? This will be our fifth league game. Question to you both. Would you have, if 
now, in hindsight, looking back at that first game against Barnsley, if you could have it again, would you stick with the 7-0 loss or would you choose a 2-0 loss over that? What would be your choice? Knowing that we've picked up seven points, I don't really care. You, you get the same amount of points for a defeat, regardless of if it's two or seven. Um, I think a 2-0 defeat, would it have had the same effect on things? Who knows? I think it, it's, it's a really hard one. It's, it's not as nice as your question last time, Kirst, about playoffs, winning the playoffs or going up automatically. That was a nice <laughs> question. But and I know what you're getting at because the the correct answer is obviously you prefer to lose 2-0 than 7-0 and that's the right yeah. answer. But I know what you're getting at is as that 7-0 actually caused the reaction that we've now gone on a four-game undefeated run, gone seven points in the league, second round of the League Cup, it may have as that 7-0 caused that reaction, quite possible. Mm. But if you'd have said to me we could lose 2-0 and still have the same reaction, obviously you'd take the 2-0. Yeah, it's exactly that. I just wonder whether we would have responded in, in the same way. And as you say, if, if three days later, we're there in the cup, we go one down with un, under five minutes, and I think Vale fans are just losing their head, aren't they? And then we come back from that. It, it's a test of character for the team. And I feel as though Crosby's got them all on, you know, on his side. They're working for him because I think there was a big question mark. I know it's early days and it's ridiculous after one game, but when it's 7-0, I do genuinely think after that game, there was a big question mark over Andy Crosby. And I just don't think that there is now a few weeks on. And you know what? We're giving praise out to Crosby, fully deserved, rightly so. He's been fantastic since that day. How many times have we done the review this season and gone and got the sub spot on it timed? And while you maybe argue did he do the Blackpool ones too early, but we got a point, so no, he didn't. Let's give some credit out to Flickcroft and the recruitment staff because I've been, you know, people know I've been negative about Flickcroft, but seems to have died down on the internet now. Flickcroft out, what are the recruitment team doing? Have a look what they're doing. Connor Ripley's what they're doing. The Yaks, what they're doing. Chislett's what they're doing. Arblaster, Thomas. I tell you what, what are some of the recruitment team have had? So hats off to Dave Flickcroft and the recruitment team because I think that's been spot on this summer. And there was times when people, fucking oh, you know what they're doing. Me probably included. I'll, you know, I'll put my hands up. Let it be a rumble pie for everyone that was giving him stick. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like I say, it could all go south. Football's funny all game, isn't it? We could not win the next five and we could be berating not signing XYZ player or letting XYZ go. Um, at this minute, as we sit, as we sit here, five games into the season, seven points, second round of the cup, one defeat. It's 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 good. It's it's been a good start. Um, and yeah, on it's to been a very um, good start. If you'd have given me seven points from them four mm-hmm. fixtures, I'd have snapped your hand off. Yeah, exactly that. But yeah, on to Carlisle because we have just spent, like you said, forty minutes talking about rumour. Um, but be- before that, Johnny, I, there was another talking point I'd got, and I'd spent yeah. a bit of time looking back at Eddie Jackson's match reports, um, b- because it, it was something that got me thinking. Obviously, with all the changes that there's been um, to added time this year, um, and also the the changes with 
try and clamp down on time wasting and and how that's leading to more bookings and so on. I was interested in what impact that's going to have on football longer term, and especially squads that are quite small. If there's more bookings, there's going to be more players out. And if there's more time added on, there's potential for more tiredness, you know, tired legs and an injury possibly. But I did think, well, what, what is the difference? Is there a big difference? So I'll look back at Eddie's reports from, from the first five games last year versus the first five games this year. So I'm going to ask you both. I'll tell you what, what the total was for the first five games last year and ask you what you think it was for this year. So times added, time added on from the first five games of last year, I added it all up and it came to 25 minutes added time. So we'll start with that. For the first five games this year with the change, how many, how many minutes do you think versus 25 last year? 38. I'm going. 47, I'm going. Close, Johnny. 36. So that's a, a, I googled it, so this best be right. 44% increase. I think I did expect that be a bit more with that. Um, yeah. But it's only five, it's five games in, so we'll sort of see how that, that pans out. Um, so with the bookings, I added up how many bookings or red cards from the first five games last season across both teams. So like, for example, in the first game last season, there was three Vale players booked versus one of Fleetwood's players. So I've added all of them up and that come to 15 in total. So it's 15 bookings or red cards. So versus last year, how many do you think this year, if it was 15 in the first five games last year? I'm getting 17. I don't think it's drastically high. 22, because I think the first game first game against Barnes, excuse me, because there was about 96 yellow cards. 26. That's quite a lot then. Yeah, it mm. is. That's a 73% increase. That was the one I was most surprised about. Yeah. Well, what? players can stop moaning then because they're going to get the rest when the suspension's kicking. Well, this is, the thing is, for, for me, what I think it will do on the squads is I think it'll make them smarter. Because apart from yellow for your foul, time-wasting, kicking the ball away and all that is, that's fully in your control. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's that's something that you know a ref's going to do it. Now, what what I don't agree with, um, and I think Bez, I think you mentioned the, the laws of the game in the Arsenal game on Monday. Kai Havertz had the ball for 15 seconds. He then threw it to Tommy Asu, who had it for eight seconds, and Tommy Asu got booked. The wrong player got booked there for me. Well, I thought I thought the new rule was if you, if you dick around with it and then throw it, it's Havertz. It is. So, wrong player got booked. I fully agree with the booking, by the way. It was just the wrong player. It was Havertz that should have been booked for that for me. And let's be honest, that second yellow card that they got was an absolute farce. It was never even a foul, never mind a yellow card. No. And I'm not an Arsenal fan. I'm not anti-Arsenal, but I'm not an Arsenal fan, so I'm not saying it from an Arsenal perspective. Just just to quickly interrupt, Kirsty, prediction for Carlisle, because I know that Littland's um, leading you. 
Yeah, that's right. Cheers, Johnny. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, this is probably the first game where I feel as though maybe we're, maybe we're favourites and that doesn't always work in our favour, does it? But I'm still going to go for a win. I reckon 2-1 win. And I can imagine, I don't know who's going to score for the Vale, but I imagine Edmondson will score for them. I can just <laughs> see it happening. But yeah, like cheers for having me. We're four to three favourites, four to three off. There we go. Cheers for having me, lads. It's been great catching up. Um, and I'll listen to the, the end of the podcast for you, what you both say. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Kirst. See you later. Catch you later. So, Johnny, you said earlier we've got one returning player who you love was Edmondson. Yeah. And another. Who was that? Another. Tom Guy. What about Thomas Holy? Oh, shit. And Dan Butterworth's there. And Dan Butterworth, yeah. I was going to say. Because I remembered about Butterworth. I forgot about Holy till about five minutes ago and I thought, there's four. <laughs> yeah. Calm Guy was my other one. But, yeah, shit, there's four yeah, of them. See, I thought you'd have gone Edmondson and... Butterworth, they were the two I thought you'd have forgot about Callum Guy, but yeah, Callum Guy and Thomas Holy as well. Yeah, well, uh, no, I'd see, see uh, Edmondson just has proper, properly adhered when, when he came in, and oh, yeah. he's been playing, he, he, he looks like he's been playing every game. Callum Guy's captain there, so I'd expect yeah, him to play every game. Summer, I think. He did. Thomas Holy's played every game, so, you know, yeah. well, what. <laughs> You know, that, that's all we need to say. But Butterworth, I don't think he's been as involved. He came on in the 64th minute at the weekend. Did he? Yeah, came on for Jordan Gibson. Ah, oh yeah, he's played 27 minutes, 21 and 20. He's, do you know, interesting fact, Dan Butterworth comes on the pitch, Carlisle have lost. He didn't come on against Carlisle, and he didn't come on against Wigan, and that's when he got the point. Well, and Joe Gold is on the bench for them still. Oh, wow. Sean yeah. McGuire, I know you mentioned him in the summer about his pace. Yeah, he's, he's, he has got pace. He's got pace to burn, so that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, and John Malish is there. Is he? Hmm. Good hell, he's been there ages, hasn't he? 79 minutes. 35-year-old Paul Huntington playing centre-half. Yeah, and of course, their game won't get one over him. Jason Lowe after what he did in the summer. Yeah, that that'll be an interesting one when he comes on, if if he gets a nice little welcome or not. If he gets booed by the 79 travelling fans. Oi, 89. Mm. Yeah. But it's going to be an interesting one for me. Um, I think, like you say, you don't want to say teams like Carlisle, because that we, we've probably been hammering, but this is the first one where you look at to go, right, newly promoted side at home, we need to put a stamp on our season. Now, arguably, we've put a stamp on our season three games ago now. So yeah. this is just now a continuation. We've got the game Tuesday. Um, them up the road are trying to make it into the massive local derby by selling out their tickets. I don't um, think they've ever brought a thousand Vale Park after that I can remember. We, when we beat them 1-0 in 2019, they brought just over 1,200. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they, they don't normally travel well, but I think because it's cheap. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I've like, played it for well twelve months. I haven't played it have because last season we weren't in that league. Yeah, so we'll 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 talk about that on Saturday. But yeah, 
the Carlisle game, I like Crosby's talking. I like how it's solely focused on Carlisle. I like the fact that we seem to have an idea and it's it's a lot of similar talk, don't get me wrong, to last year about the plan and stuff like that. But I do feel like this is the game where we need to now go and put a bit of a show on. Um the first game we're going into as favourites, we can say that. doesn't mean yes. that we're underestimating Carlisle, but by the bookies' odds, it's the first game we're going into as favourites. It is. And look, when you put the performances in that we have in the last three, we, we should be confident as well. Agreed. Like, I'm not saying be arrogant, but I'm saying we should be confident. A couple of them players should have the tails well up. Um, yeah. and, and you know what? It, it, rightly so. Um, but on curse point... The referee that we've got tomorrow, um, Tom Reeves, I say tomorrow, Saturday, um, he's refed us four times before. Once last year, which was a 2-0 defeat at Cambridge. Don't know if that sticks out to you at all. Thought we won at Cambridge. No, at home to Cambridge. Oh, I was going to say, because, yeah, we won 1-0 away at Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, that game doesn't stand out to me. I can't remember it. We were dead shit that game. I, I remember that. Um, uh, it was and one then, of them ones wanted. Yeah, and then three times in League One. Um, Hartlepool at home when we won 2-0. Forest Green at home when we drew 1-1. And Exeter away last game of the season when we won 1-0. Mm-hmm. Um, but to Kirsty's point, he has handed out 20 yellow cards in the four games that he's refereed this season. So he's averaging five a game at the moment. Is that a worry? No. Three for one team, two for them uh, to be honest, we're getting to the stage now where players should have got used to these new rules and they should have stopped time wasting. They should have stopped standing on the ball. Although I don't think we've had too many for standing on the ball or kicking it away. We've had Cheslet for diving. We've had one, I think, for delay, two for delaying the throwing. Yeah, players Yak should have got smarter to that now. Yeah, Yak and Jonesy have both been booked, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, Who's got most late. booking thrusts this season, do you think, if you're not looking at it? Who's got the most? Yeah. Ooh. I have looked at it, so I know. Oh, you know? Yeah. Funzo? Funzo's got one booking so far this season. We've got two <laughs> players on two. Is League and Cup is this? Um, I believe so. I don't know. It's just what I saw on Sky, but we've got two players on two bookings. Oh, Blaster then, because he got booked on Thingy, didn't he? Yes, the Blaster's one of them on two bookings. Um. Cass? Nope. No. One of them's definitely for diving and maybe both of them. Oh, Chislet. Chizzy, yeah. When did Chizzy get booted? Got booted at Charlton for diving on the edge. Wasn't To be fair, it wasn't a dive. There was contact and he's gone down easy. So we got booted for going down easy at Charlton. And did he get booted against Fleetwood for going down easy or was that the blasty? One of them got booted at Fleetwood for going down easy. Ah, right, OK. I can't, rem- I can't remember that. Yeah, cheers, he's on two. OK. So, yeah, OK. I, I, I don't I think... I'm not too... I'm not too... fussed with that. I, I think... I'm not. I was, just, I was just having a look now to see if... if I can find what he actually... what our boss got booked for. I'm sure he got booked against Fleetwood. No, yeah, he did. No, Chislet goes into the referee's boot for a late challenge, it said. Against? Um, 8th of August, so that was Fleetwood. 
Yeah, yeah, and Blaster was definitely, I remember him getting booked against Fleetwood for getting down on the edge slash inside the box. Was his after Chislets? Conor Grant. We haven't even mentioned our Blaster's booking. Fair enough. I'll have a look to see if I can find what our Blaster's booking was for, because I, I'm quite interested in this. He's got one booking in League One and one booking in the League Cup. Yeah, League, League One was the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, no, Vale didn't mention the, the, the Arblaster booking. Against... Unless my memory's playing tricks with me. No, he definitely got... Well, he definitely, I remember him getting booked. Yeah, and unless my memory's playing tricks with me, he got booked for getting down on the edge of the box. Fair enough. But... But yeah, that's that's the that's the referee anyway. I don't think like, I don't think we're anything to be concerned about. I like, say as long as we don't dick around and we we do things that we're yeah. supposed. To. No, not at all. So hit me with your eleven. I'm going. Obviously, goalie picks itself, Connor Ripley. Back three picks itself, Smith, Jones, and the Yak. Wing backs, I think, pick themselves still with Mitch and Granty. I'm going yeah. two holding, which I'm going Ojo and the Blaster. I'm then being really harsh because I like two up top when you're going to be the side in the driving seat. So I want two up top, which means I've got drop Chizzy or Ben. And I feel really harsh on both of them. But that means Ben drops out. So Chizzy plays behind. I'm going Harrison Fit, Harrison and Josh Thomas. Sorry, Ben. Fair but enough. It's nice options to have. And that's yeah. my 11. That's not necessarily... I think Ben plays, by the way. I think Crosby plays Ben. I think he's one of the first names on the team sheets. That's just my 11 on what I've seen this season and going into this game. Yeah. I, I can see your rationale and I can see the fact that you like two up front. I think we stick with the formation. I really I do. I think we do. Yeah. yeah I would. Um... I think a lot hinges on Alice Harrison's fitness. Um, if if Alice is fit, I think that could make it interesting because both Willow and Josh Thomas kind of stumped a flag in that ground, didn't they, to say, I deserve this start. Um, yeah. we, it's been a full week in between games, so there's no, there's no need to rest legs. We might have one eye on crew at that stage thinking, oh, maybe this player is better for suited to that game. But Crosby didn't make it sound that way. But I go, I think we stick with the same, but Harrison comes in for Willow. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I wouldn't be averse to that either. But I think, I think it's going to be quite interesting because I think Garrity's yet to kick on this season. Yeah. Um so so that'll be decent to see if if he can get in the driving seat. I know he shall we say nicked one against Reading, but I don't know how much of that was his goal. Um but yeah. I think it's gonna be really interesting and Chislet's one that gets you off your seat, isn't it? They play yeah a three three at the back a uh, back four, sorry, um with three kind of holders and three up front. So that's that's going to be quite interesting, and we all know what Edmondson, Butterworth, Guy, and Holy can do. And I really think Alice Harrison for me is is the one 
Um, is is really the one that we 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 need if you've got Holy in, in there because we're not really going to be whipping balls into the box and you can guarantee he's going to come out catch everything and be be that monster keeper you expected and be against us because that seems to what happens, isn't it? But yeah, that's I'd be targeting him massively, knowing what we knew in that six month period. Yeah. Be interesting to see if Smithy come up against Edmondson because obviously Edmondson will know what to expect from him. Yeah, Edmondson, Edmondson seems quite a cheeky chappy as well, so probably yeah. being pinched he'll just start laughing. But yeah, yeah that'll be that that'll be quite interesting. Um, yeah. and before we do the adtiming.com, I've just gone on whoscored.com, which is actually going from stats gives you good insight actually to club strengths, weaknesses, style of play, etc. And I just thought because after the Barnsley game, ours was very bad, obviously. Where are we at at the moment on that? And it goes off stats, etc. What you've done in games. So Vale strengths, we've got one that's very strong. What do you think that is? Oh, one that's very strong. Aerial battles, counter attacks is all strong. It's very strong counter attacks. Which again, the games we've played, you'd expect because we've been against sides where we've been second favourite to win the game. Um, strong, and I won't go and go ask you for them all, but otherwise we'll be here for another five hours. It says we're strong on attacking set pieces, creating long shoot, long shot opportunities, coming back from losing possession, and creating scoring chances. Weaknesses were weak on keeping possession off the ball, avoiding offside were weak, and defending against skillful players were weak, and were very yeah. weak. Go on. Well, I was going to say, defending skillful players, that's because Corey Blackett-Taylor ripped as a new arsehole, and pretty yeah. much every player a new arsehole. It is. And then we're very weak on defending counter-attacks, defending against attacks down the wing, and avoiding foul, fouls and dangerous areas. And then for our style of play, offensively, our style of play is take a lot of shots, long balls, take long shots, control the game in the opposition's half, attack down the right, which I think is fair, and defensively rotate first, oh no, I think that's defensively, rotate first 11, non-aggressive opponents play aggressive against them. That's what it's got in the stats from our opening games. So I use foot mob. And they, yeah. they provide some insights. So we're ranked 12th in goals scored per match. We're averaging a goal a game. Yeah. We can see the most penalties in the league this season with two. Yeah. And we're ranked 21st in shots on target per match, averaging just 3.3 shots on target, which means wow. we're pretty clinical because yeah. a third of them go in. Um, Carlisle, ranked 19th in goals scored per match in 0.5. Yeah. Haven't scored in three away matches and haven't kept a clean sheet in ten matches. Wow. So this game says to me, goals, goals, goals. Because if they haven't scored in three away matches, we we usually like to break hoodoo. But yeah, I think that's it's yeah. gonna be quite it's gonna be quite an interesting one. It says and there for Carlisle strengths, it's got very strong at shooting from direct free kicks. Strong from defending set pieces, and that's it for their strengths. Weaknesses, it says the wicket avoiding offsides, finishing scoring chances, keeping possession of the ball, avoiding fouls and dangerous areas, and the very weak defending against long shots, which obviously is one of our strengths, and defending counter attacks, which is one of our strengths, as the very weak at. And their style of play it says they play with width, 
attempt crosses often. They like to control the game in the opposition's half. They attack down the left, which is interesting because we attack down the right. They take long shots. They take a lot of shots and they're aggressive. So it, if you go off them stats alone, it looks as though our right side and their left side will be key to the game. There's more yeah. people to watch out for. There's a bit of insight for you. There we go. Look at, look, look at us throwing stats, facts and figures around. Yeah. There Probably we go. Time now, John. It's five to ten. It is. Let, let, let's let's wrap it up. So go on then. You you do your you do your plugs to the to the sponsors. AVtiming.com. Time of first goal. Get yourselves over to AVtiming.com. Have a look for a race coming up. I've got a race that I can book with them because I helped out at the Vale Fun Run. So I'll have a look at that. I need to get back running to be fair because I've done nothing for two weeks. So tomorrow lunchtime, I shall go for a run on my lunch. I'll have a look and I'll get a 10K signed up and I'll let you all know what 10K I've signed up for. And if anyone wants to come along and see my titties jiggle as a run, feel free. Feel free. So time of the first goal and goal scorer then. Come at me. going 13 minutes, unlucky for some. Ryan Edmondson, Carlisle go 1-0 up. That's it. You bring the positivity to the end. Full time score three one bail. Okay, that's better. I'm going twenty seven minutes. Alice Harrison two nil win. I just think Edmondson's destined to score. Mm, well, we'll see. Hope I'm wrong. Although we haven't conceded a goal at home in the league yet. No, I liked I liked Ryan as well, so I won't, I won't hold it against oh, him unless he scores a 90 minute winner, and then I might want his head. Our second goal is going to come from a corner, and Ole is going to throw it into his own net. Oh, a proper tick on me, that would. <laughs> yeah, that makes <laughs> big shit house. Yeah, I hope he ducks when we put one in the box like he did at Colchester. I'm not, I'm, I can't forgive him for that. Uh, He'll probably be one of the only ex-players of that of that period that I, I'll boo. Coming back, he will. I won't boo him because he didn't like leave and slag the club off, anything like that. But he isn't one that I'd you know, give a standing ovation to either. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan will get one. Butterworth will get a little yeah. clap. I clap for Ryan, I clap for Butterworth. And I loved Callum Guy when he had his loan spell at Bale, I thought. And for those that don't remember him, he came in on loan this season. We got relegated from League One under Michael Brown and he yeah. actually I think he only played three maybe four games and he looked unbelievable and then picked up a knock and missed the rest of the season I did Tyler Walker and I fully believe had them two not picked up the knocks we'd have stayed up that season yeah well he got booted in all three games as well I think if you remember yeah he was a tough tackle he covered every blade of grass and real good football and to be honest he's one that I'd have back at Bale now I don't know if he'd get yeah. in the start in 11 but I'd certainly have him back as a squad player and he can pick out a pass energetic. I remember coming away one game and it was all over Twitter. He covered every blade of grass on Vale Park. Great player. Johnny, are you there? Oh, I've lost you. I've that or he's lost me. Looks like I'm wrapping up the Ailing Vale podcast unless Johnny joins us back very quickly. Johnny, is there anybody there? No, I've lost Johnny. So there you go. My prediction is 3-1 win for the Vale. 
Johnny's going for a 2-0 win for the Vale. Get yourselves down to Vale Park Saturday. Really looking forward to it because it's my first league game in the paddock this season. So looking forward to getting in the paddock for the first league game. Um, I've been in the Amel for the Cup game and obviously in Lawn Street for the Reading game. So looking forward to being back in my normal seat. Get yourselves down to Vale Park if you're in Burslem before the, the game. Get yourselves into Gianni's Park. This break is brought to you by Adobe Photoshop. Here's a fun fact. Every day, millions of people around the world use Photoshop to create all kinds of cool stuff. Designs for t-shirts and posters. Graphics to promote brands and businesses. Images for social and websites. Anyone can do it. And to the guy who put a bulldog's head on a parakeet's body, you, sir, are a genius. Get started for free today. Click or tap the banner to head over to Photoshop.com. So, it's full time from the pod, and we've just lost again. And now it's time for a treat. What are you looking for, Bez? Well, I'm looking at who's cost us today. Was it the ref? Was it the players? But whoever it was, cheer yourselves up. Get yourselves to McDonald's. Get yourself a Big Mac tonight. And enjoy it through the app. Johnny? Yeah, there we go. So, automate delivery on, on the app. It's at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more details. And don't forget, have an ale and up the veil. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.